one of the last magazines that I picked up was, I think it was a Time magazine, and it had an article about the health trends in America. And one of the first lines in the article was that for the first time in two centuries, the current generation of children would have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And that just hit me so hard because I was holding this perfect six-week-old baby, my perfect child. I was so excited. I was nursing him. And to imagine like what this article was talking about, what his generation was going to face in like the increased autoimmune disease, which I didn't even know at the time that's what I was going through, but an increased risk of cancer and diabetes and obesity and heart disease. So that just really hit me hard. And I've always been the rebel. So in my head, it was kind of my moment of like, no, I'm not letting this happen. Like, hold my beer. We're going to fix this. Like, not happening to our kids. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, we are appealing to all of the mamas in the house, which I know you are out there, with my special guest, Katie Wells, also known as the Wellness Mama. Now, before we jump into this amazing interview with Katie, I want to share with you a really incredible resource that I created to empower moms with natural solutions. Over the years, I have worked with a lot of amazing Wellness Mamas and was inspired to create a book that really addressed everyday health concerns. Because I learned that the primary concern for you as a mother is making sure that your family is in good health and that your home is a safe environment, which I know can be a difficult task today given the increasing toxic world that we're living in. So I sat down with a good couple of hundred women and I asked them specifically, what are you looking for for your family? What would make creating natural solutions easy for you? And I created a book with recipes and healing practices so that smart moms everywhere can take advantage of the incredible power of essential oils to overcome this vital dilemma of creating safer, cheaper, healthier, natural solutions for their families. Now it's this recipe book, well, this entire resource book is packed with practical, holistic solutions. It is a complete guide to essential oils that covers the fundamental applications. It covers how to use oils, dilutions. It covers how to store them. I mean, everything you could possibly imagine, including my top 25 list. And then I get into the nuts and bolts of the book where it goes into everyday health emergency recipes, like things from head tension to allergies to cuts and scrapes. I mean, name it. I have recipes for all of it. How to make over your medicine cabinet, how to make over your cleaning cabinet, and then last but not least, how to make over your personal care cabinet as well. So you really create a non-toxic environment for yourself and your family. And then I also have chapters on emotional and mood support. I have a chapter on self-care rituals because you guys know how much I love that. And I have a chapter built in on hormone support as well. I've got recipes for hot flashes, adrenal, thyroid, instant energy. I mean, name it. I cover the gamut. And let me tell you, I use the recipes in this book practically every single day. Well, not even practically, definitely every single day. And I'm super excited to be able to provide this really incredible book with everyday emergencies and on-the-go first aid for whatever you could possibly want. Now, I will be linking to the book in case you want to grab a copy. I believe it's under $11 on Amazon, and I will have the link in the show notes for this podcast, which is episode number 24. 
All right, now that I've shared my wonderful resource with you that I can't wait for you to take advantage of, let's talk about how to become a wellness mama. Now, Katie is going to set us up for success by giving us practical tips for how to create a natural home environment. She's also gonna give us really true and core parenting tips about how to get your kids to eat healthy and how you can get your kids to do things that they can absolutely do themselves so that you're not doing them for them and steps that any parent can take to ensure that their family and their children are living their healthiest life. But before I bring Katie on, I wanna quickly sing her praises. Katie, also known as the Wellness Mama, is a wife and a mom of six amazing kids. She is a award-winning blogger, author, podcaster, and real food crusader. Her mission on the Wellness Mama website is to provide simple answers for healthier families through practical tips, recipes, natural beauty, cleaning tutorials, remedies, and so much more. Now, as a mom of six, Katie has developed systems and tips for a wellness lifestyle with a family on a budget, and she was recently named by The Great List as one of the top 100 most influential people in health and wellness. So you can definitely check her out at thewellnessmama.com. And you can also find her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those good places. And I just can't wait. You guys are going to love this interview with Katie. Welcome, Katie, to the Essential You podcast. I am thrilled. I mean, beyond thrilled to have you on today. How are you doing, girl? I am great. Thank you for having me. I am excited to chat with you, and I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Me too. I think we're going to have a really good time. Well, one of the things I love to really focus on in these podcasts is really getting to know you and your story. And I know that a lot of women and moms have been reading your your blog for quite some time, including myself. Girl, I am always pulling up recipes from your blog, the Wellness Mama blog. But I would love to know, clearly so much heart and love and commitment goes into that and all the research that you do. I would love to dive into that story about what put you on this course? What, what had you so committed to really changing the lives of women around the world. Yeah, I'm happy to share. So to be honest, it's not the course I thought my life would take when I was younger, but then I guess most of us end up taking a different course than we think when we're starting college. But for me, it was looking back, it's easy to see the pattern now, but I've always been extremely type A and very driven. And so in high school and college, I was in every activity and extracurricular possible and took a full course load. I think in college I had like 26 or 28 hours one semester and just like really pushed myself, which meant I wasn't sleeping and I was just eating junk food on the way to and from classes if I ate at all. And I was not sleeping, stressed out all the time. And it turns out like that's a great way to create an autoimmune disease. So, you know, if anyone's looking for a hack, that's all you have to do is do those things and you'll create an autoimmune disease, or at least if you have the predisposition to one, it's going to show up. And that was my case just toward the end of college, I started noticing symptoms And I was on a track for journalism and international studies and potentially law or politics, which so grateful that career didn't happen. But that was kind of my trajectory. And then I got married and had my first son. And I don't know if probably anyone has had this experience, but sitting in a doctor's office at my six-week follow-up appointment, and the doctor was late, and I was sitting there for a really long time, and I had read pretty much every magazine in the waiting room by the time I finally saw the doctor. But one of the last magazines that I picked up was, I think it was a Time magazine, and it had an article about 
the health trends in America. And one of the first lines in the article was that for the first time in two centuries, the current generation of children would have a shorter life expectancy than their parents. And that just hit me so hard because I was holding this perfect six-week-old baby. And I mean, my perfect child, I was so excited. I was nursing him. And to imagine like what this article was talking about, what his generation was going to face in like the increased autoimmune disease, which I didn't even know at the time, that's what I was going through, but an increased risk of cancer and diabetes and obesity and heart disease. And, you know, we see these graphs and we know. And so that just really hit me hard and kind of, I've always been the rebel. So in my head, it was kind of my moment of like, no, I'm not letting this happen. Like, hold my beer. We're going to fix this. Like, not happening to our kids. And at that point, obviously, I had no plan for how that would tangibly happen. And I was still trying to figure out my own health problems as well. But I started this journey of doing a lot of research. My journalism background served me well there and just trying to figure out, A, what was wrong with me so that I could be a healthier mom for my son. And then also basically trying to delve into the data of why are we seeing such a rapid rise in all these problems and why are our kids going to have a shorter life expectancy than we are? Like that's not normal. That's not the normal path of history. So what, why are we seeing this now? And just started uncovering things over time. And my husband thankfully is a tech early adopter and he encouraged me to start blogging. Ironically, he wanted me to start a political blog at the time. And again, grateful that did not happen. But I started blogging about health as I was learning it. And as I went back to school for nutrition, because I felt like partially I was, you know, a new mom stuck at home and was kind of searching for my own community and for other moms. But also as I learned these things and they weren't being widely talked about like they are now, I just felt like I needed to share them. So that was about 10 years ago that the blog really kind of got started. And since then, it's been me learning as I go and just sharing it with other moms who are learning as they go. But the really cool part is because I always say wellness mama is not just me. Like I'm not wellness mama. Every woman who's willing to do this is wellness mama. And in those 10 years, like there are so many moms who are doing this on, on the front lines every day who are choosing natural options for their family and cooking real food. And you know, their kids eat vegetables and they're all getting enough sleep at night. And just these little baby steps that moms are making across the country and across the world. Like I actually have so much hope that we really will change that trajectory for our kids because certainly it's not something I can do, but I have absolute faith that as a group, women and moms can. I think we have incredible power that we don't even realize sometimes, not just logically that we control so much of the purchasing power in our country and half the voting pool and all that, but in the fact that we are shaping the next generation and we have the ability to teach them solid skills that will serve them throughout their life and give them a solid nutritional foundation and a healthy start in life. And so that's been the most amazing part for me is just seeing that community become so much more than I could have ever thought at the beginning and so much more beyond me and just to see the changes that are happening. I love the beginning of your story because it, I feel like I was just sharing that story a couple a couple hours ago. Same thing in college and in high school. For me, it didn't become an autoimmune condition. It became adrenal burnout and severe hormone chaos, which again, very some similar so there are some autoimmunity that dumps right into those hormones. But my gosh, I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, I totally relate to that in that moment. And I love that you had that moment where that mission became bigger than yourself. Now, one of the things that a lot of people may not know specifically is your real focus on nutrition. And what gets you fired up about that? Yeah, I just, as I started, I'm also really a huge data nerd. So I've always been a spreadsheet person and I've always 
like with researching and journalism in college, I would get access to all these forums and places where you could see studies and like demographics of what was happening in our country. And I was fascinated by that. But the reason I ended up going back to school for nutrition was because I realized like the patterns, if you try to dial down what was changed so much so drastically in our country and in our world in the last few decades, and why we were seeing these spikes, the food changes lined up perfectly with that. And obviously correlation doesn't equal causation, but it was a stark enough correlation that it made me want to look into it. And when I just started delving into the, the drastic differences and the like confusion when it comes to nutrition and all the like crazy collusion that had happened throughout the years and why we all thought sugar was fine and fat was bad and just all these things that had happened. It just got me really fired up and realizing that we now have this entire system, this entire food system that is controlled by lobbyists and is largely marketing mostly to our children who think that they're supposed to eat off of kids' menus where nothing is real food. And we somehow think it's normal that kids don't like vegetables or want to eat real food. And that's just okay because they're kids. And that doesn't exist in other parts of the world. And like the French would laugh at that idea. You know, there's other, in other countries, children eat the same food as grownups. They don't eat off a special menu. And just realizing that that was what was largely targeting our kids. And it's something that moms could easily take control over and change in a day in their family. Like if they made that change, they can control what goes on their dinner table. And so to me, that was a really just a strong point of power for women to start from. And it also was the springboard into realizing that, so nutrition is a huge factor and definitely a very high correlation, but it also springboarded me into researching things like all the chemicals that we have in our home and how many of those are actually safe around children and what are they putting into the air and like, why are there flame retardants and kids pajamas? Just like it kind of led to that cascade of research. Oh, oh my gosh, absolutely. And I agree with you on all of that. And it's so true that we just don't realize that other countries, children eat the exact same foods as their adults. There's no, there's no conversation around it. There's no, trying to convince your children to eat it. It's what they're served. Such a different way that we've marketed and lobbied towards our children, even with advertising replacement, like just all the placement. I think about when I was a kid, all the things that I was attracted to because they were right in my eyesight. And I love that such a big part of that conversation is you helping women to become CEOs of their household through nutrition in particular. So thank you so much because I know how, how challenging that can feel for so many moms out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the easiest starting point too, is just to realize our mindset passes on and teaches so much more than even like what we do. And I realized that even in my own life, because I was already from the beginning trying to be as healthy as possible and to raise my children as healthy as possible. But with my first child, I listened to the doctor and we did rice cereal. And then I was introducing vegetables and kind of had this like, oh my gosh, I hope he's going to like vegetables. And I had this like timidness about me and like was really trying to get him to like them, which made him like, what, why is mom acting weird? And all that. And so I just had this weird thing of thinking kids aren't going to like this kind of food and realizing now, like having been through 10 years and all these mental shifts myself, our youngest now, she loves sardines and mussels and clams and she'll eat anchovies and salad and any vegetable you put in front of her because she doesn't know any different and she loves it. And I'm never with her. I've thought like, oh, I wonder if she's going to like Brussels sprouts. I mean, that's an easy thing we can address instantly, even without changing the food at all is just how we're approaching getting them to try new things. And I think also for us as adults, parents, moms, dad, anyone, they do look at what we do more than what we say. So it's also us learning how to not just eat, but to actually love the healthy food as well. 
Yeah. And isn't that the big thing, right? Because our kids are watching everything that you're doing. And it really starts with us too. How we eat, what we eat, how we enjoy it. I mean, they're going to love what we love. Absolutely. Like every parent has probably had that experience where they made food for themselves and their child. They put some food on the child's plate. It's the exact same food and the kid wants to eat off their plate. So like, that's a great way to get the, a child to eat it is to start with yourself. I love it. Now, I know that there's a lot of moms there who love and are so inspired by you. And I bet they feel like, oh my gosh, she must be a superwoman managing all of this, creating this natural environment, this non-toxic household, these healthy, nutritious meals. I mean, all of it. And I'm sure there are some mamas who are like, that is so great, but that definitely feels overwhelming. So could you walk us into your life on the day-to-day? Because I know that you've got six beautiful kids and you're managing this amazing wellness empire. Tell us a little bit about what that day-to-day looks like for you? (laughs) Probably much less glamorous than anyone would think if they think I somehow managed to do it all because I don't. That's the first thing I'll say. Right now, I'm still in workout clothes from this morning and I'm going to be cooking dinner in like 20 minutes. So definitely don't do everything perfectly all the time. And I don't have perfect parenting days every day by any means. But what has helped me a ton is to have systems in place. So back to the whole me being a spreadsheet nerd, I have like systems. Yeah, I have systems and checklists for everything. And that's become as much a survival thing with having this many kids as just as a luxury, basically. And I am grateful for that because what I realized early on was that it wasn't the actual doing of the things that was causing me the stress. It was the thinking about the doing of the things and trying to keep track of all the things because moms know, like we have in our head at any given point, not just what we're cooking for dinner and how are all the kids doing and what activities do we have to go to, but we have to know the kids' clothing sizes and shoe sizes and when they have doctor's appointments and when we're going to do laundry and we're managing the emotional responsibility for all of that. And so... I was like, well, I can't get rid of having to actually, you know, cook food for my children or buy them new clothes or make sure their shoes fit, but I can make a time and a place for activities just like you would make a place for things in your home so that when it's not their time to be worried about, I don't have to think about them. So that was a big thing for me early on was just creating the structure in our life where laundry happens when it happens. And when it's not happening, when I know it's not scheduled, I'm not worried about it because I know it's going to happen. And I know what the meal plan is because I do that every week and it's like clockwork. And so that was the huge part. The the realization for me was not just trying to figure out how to get it all done, but just to create the mental space by everything having its time and place to go to. That said, like days are still really busy. And with especially we homeschool as well. So usually it's like a pretty early morning. We do breakfast as a family and One tradition we have is we start our day with gratitude. So we all talk about things we're grateful for. And we also watch three TED Talks together. And this was the recommendation from a friend. And we've totally integrated this because our thought with homeschooling is that we don't want to just take school out of a classroom and bring it home because we want to raise our kids in a way that teaches them to think outside the box and to also fix some of these problems in our world. It's the idea of not just trying to make the world better for our kids, but also leaving really good kids to help make the world better. And so our friend suggested watching three TED Talks in the morning on completely unrelated topics because he said, kids have an amazing natural ability to connect the dots. And if you start just showing them unrelated topics, maybe it's like robotics and pollution in the ocean and positive thinking or whatever, they're going to start trying to draw connections between those. And maybe one day they're going to be the person that invents a way to clean the ocean out of all the plastic with robotics. Who knows? But just giving them those amounts of knowledge and realizing that they're getting in 15 minutes, basically that person who's the best at what they do, their life work summed up in 15 minutes and that they can take those nuggets and hopefully they can then 
think critically and connect the dots in new and unique ways. So that's a really like cornerstone of our morning. And then we do school, which with homeschooling, it's, I have to actually give so much respect to parents who don't homeschool because I know like the whole school routine and driving kids is a huge commitment. And I'm amazed by moms who could do that every day. I'm still in my pajamas at like 10 in the morning, most days, but we do school and usually finish by lunchtime. And then after family lunch, the kids have, depending on their age, either nap time or playtime outside or reading time. And so that's kind of more work time for me. And when I do things like right now, recording podcasts while I watch my kids ride their bikes out the window. So that's kind of my only really work hours. And then we circle back at dinner. If there's any activities in the evening, we do those, but we really do try to make family dinner a huge priority because again, back to me being a data nerd, if we can do all the right things for our health, but community and really solid social relationships are the biggest predictor of longevity. And there's a huge inverse correlation with like mortality from all causes. Like having good, solid relationships in your life is more important than quitting smoking. It's more important than exercise by a twofold measure. Like it's a drastically important thing. So we made the decision that family dinner is a non-negotiable, is something we focus on. And that may mean a lot of days we actually invite another family over. So we have even more interaction and social communication, but we always prioritize family dinner. And then we do you know the whole bedtime routine and bath and stories and all that. And sometimes my husband and I will work a little bit after the kids are in bed, but we've been trying to get better about making that self-care time. But then that's also when I do the meal planning and the pre-pepping food for the next day and the making all the household products and all that. So we keep a pretty structured life, but it also gives us a lot of freedom in that sense. I want to be in your home, Katie. I need a little bit more structure in my life. You know, it's so funny. I was a biochemist for years, so I was a scientist, but I was a scientist who did not like spreadsheets. <laughs> I loved the research, but I am just not as organized, and so I just love it. Now, I want to get into that point. What, I, what you said is a little bit about that self-care. So what does some of the self-care look like for you? Because I know there's a lot of fluffy ideas around self-care out there that just seem very unrealistic. So what does self-care look like for you? Yeah. So you mean, I, obviously we should be sitting on the couch eating bonbons and getting foot massages. No, right? that, that's like, like the... <laughs> like us, uh, exactly. Yeah, or running like a big one hour bath, you know, with yeah. bubbles. Like, I'm just like, who does that? But I know people do, but yeah, what does it look like for you? <laughs> It does vary depending on, I try to kind of listen to my body as much as possible, but usually it's just something like we have a really small sauna that we use. And so I'll get in the sauna or just listen to an audiobook or read a book. Those are both really recharging for me, or it can just be conversations with my husband or occasionally a bath, but not an hour long, or it could be going for a walk. Cause sometimes when the kids are in bed, we'll alternate out and go for a walk or things like that. I feel like that's one of those things you really do have to listen to your body. But the big one for me, that's also a non-negotiable that I should have worked into the whole afternoon recess time is getting sunshine every day. Or even if it's cloudy, just getting outside and getting like 30 to 60 minutes of bright light. Because even if it's cloudy, it's so much more diverse and bright light than indoor light, which we don't even realize. And that for me is like a huge component of mental and physical health. So I think self-care doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be getting massages all the time or doing cryotherapy or myofascial release or any of that, even though I've done all those and they're awesome. But I think it's actually more the day-to-day -day little stuff. You can also incorporate just like five-minute stuff. Like there's things like heart math, which is a heart rate variability trainer that takes five minutes and it kind of like teaches your brain to meditate because I'm not really good at turning off my brain and meditating and that helps. Or maybe it's a rumble roller and you're just going to like foam roll your muscles and get some stiffness out. Or maybe you're just going to stretch for a minute and like do a really short stretching video, something like that. So I think we 
can kind of build up self-care in our head and think it's going to be this long, big ordeal. And then we tend to put it off because it seems like another thing on our to-do list or it's too, too hard to get away or we can't go to a massage because we've either budget or time. And so I think it, for moms, at least, and for women, it's just working in those little things that you can in your day, however they fit in. And that's at least that's what works for me. Absolutely. I mean, I even think of self-care as something like making tea or matcha tea. I have oils at my desk where I'll just breathe them in. I love the HeartMath app as well. So yeah, I think sometimes it can just be those couple of minutes to kind of give yourself that moment. Also, I think showers are self-care, although they're necessary. I like to just spend time just taking care of myself in the shower. So just a little bit extra time there. So I love, I love those ideas. And I love that that you're able to interweave them into your day. I mean, it definitely, I mean, I think for everything to work for you, it really needs to run like a fine oiled machine. It does. And any mom who's had a newborn will say showers are a luxury too, even if they're a necessity. But I think the other key of that for any moms who like want a practical side is that like, I don't do everything around the house either. My kids are very much involved. We have a motto with our kids that we don't do anything for them that they can do themselves. So once they can tie their shoes, I don't tie their shoes. And once they can go to the bathroom by themselves, they go to the bathroom by themselves. And once they can do their laundry, which at our house at four years old, they're totally capable of doing their laundry. They they do their laundry. And so that's the other thing I, I always want to put out there. It's not like I am doing everything for every member of my family 24 hours a day and running a business. The family, we're all in it together and they do the dishes after meals. They set the table, they do their laundry. They're involved in all of that. And we do that together. We clean up as a family. So they, and they all do their own laundry. And so just things like that. It's not that it all falls on me. I don't want people to think that I've somehow managed to figure out how to do everything for everybody because that's not the case either. We, we get our kids involved and they're amazing. Oh, I love it. Oh my gosh. And you're absolutely right. Kids are so amazing and resilient and intelligent if you just allow that opportunity to happen. And I love that you have integrated so much of that. Now, another question I wanted to ask, this is kind of an off the topic question from some of the things I was thinking, but when it comes to these meal plans, what is the focus for the nutrition? Like, let's say, what's the focus for dinner tonight? I would love to know what you're doing for dinner in 20 minutes. Well, kind of, I keep everything like we have a sort of a, a framework that I follow. And so it varies by meal, by season, and by the time of the year. And then also just based on like, we'll change it up for fun. But basically, like we have kind of a three month rotating schedule. And during that three month period, we'll have like roughly two to three weeks of recipes and we'll just rotate them. So that simplifies the meal planning stuff. And then that's all focused on seasonal foods at that time which keeps the budget down and also make sure we're getting more nutrient dense foods. But we take kind of an unusual, I would guess, approach compared to a lot of families in that breakfast is always some kind of like vegetable stir fry that has some protein added in. But we try to start the day with at least like four or five different kinds of vegetables in that just for the micronutrients. And because like our kids are so active that that keeps them full. And so that's always like always in the morning. I don't have to think about it. And whenever I go to the store, which is once a week, I pre-prep for all of that. So I pre-chop the vegetables and there's always like chopped Brussels sprouts and zucchini and asparagus and mushrooms and onions and everything we would normally use in the fridge. So I can just dump them in a pan and saute them with some oil and add some meat and we're done versus having to like get out the cutting board and chop everything. And kind of the same thing with lunch. Lunch almost always centers on a salad and it's kind of like a make your own buffet at our house. So I get all the containers with all the pre-chopped vegetables and sauerkraut and pestos and nuts and whatever. And the kids can just assemble. And we add some leftover protein from a meal the night before or sometime that week and, and we're done. So those meals are very low effort for me and very high nutrient for us. And then dinner is the one meal that we like cook together and enjoy together. So 
Tonight, I've got some like meat pre-prepared. So we're doing like a Korean beef stir fry. I'll probably make rice for the kids because our kids run like 10 miles a day in our neighborhood. It's insane. So they're starving and need the carbs. And then just add in lots of vegetables. We, we do a lot of pestos this time of year because we're in the kind of like yeah. springish rotating meal plan. So I've been doing like cilantro pestos or parsley based pestos and adding that to a lot of meats and stuff for flavor and things like that. But it really is like really simple stuff. I don't get too complicated most of the time. And I'm a big fan of meals that can cook in one pan and that take like under 20 to 30 minutes. That's our kind of go-tos. Girl, I follow you on Insta, which everyone should. It's Wellness Mama right on Insta. Yeah. And I saw a picture just the other day of one of your salads and oh, it looked incredible. And I think that there was a pesto on there as well. So I just love that. So if you wanted to get a sense of what she's doing, girls, go to her Insta account and check it out because there are some fun pictures of what, of really what you're doing on a day-to-day basis is happening right there. So that's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I would love to see her on Instagram. Well, I just saw that picture because I saw the sauerkraut. I saw the pesto and I was like, Ooh, I need to find out where she is. She's got that pesto recipe. I just love, love pesto. I'm technically Latina, but I feel like I'm, I'm Italian, you know? And so I just love pesto recipes. I wanted to just share if they wanted a, a piece of what that looked like. Okay. So I'm sure you have mamas writing to you every day, women and mamas trying to figure out where to start when it comes to natural solutions for their families. And so what do you recommend? Where do you recommend getting started for these moms? I mean, clearly you've got amazing do-it-yourself recipes. You've got lots of tons of great research. You've got other recipes. What has been the first needle mover that you love to share with moms or do you just let them kind of figure that out? I think it partially depends on where they are in their journey because we definitely have like a really diverse group in the community. And there's that, like, I mean, there are moms that are are so much more crunchy than I am. And then there's moms who are, this is like all new to them. And they're like, what, your kids eat asparagus? How, like, how does that work? And they're starting really more from the other side of the spectrum. And so I think it partially depends on where you're coming from. It kind of in each category, there's some easy resources to get started. And I kind of have like a whole library of eBooks that are free that just kind of walk you through the baby steps. But in general, like people can Google wellness mama medicine cabinet, and there's a whole like natural remedies list of what I use. And there's a natural cleaning one, same thing, just Google wellness on a natural cleaning and it's got a whole checklist there. But I also think don't just start reading through the website because it is easy to get overwhelmed. And this is like 10 years of work for me. It's not anything that happened overnight. So I always tell women, just pick a few things to start with, like little baby steps and just integrate them one at a time, because truly like that is the biggest thing over time is just taking those little steps versus trying to jump in and get overwhelmed. And I mean, how much of a metaphor for life is that? Like we tend to, do, to try to do that with everything, just to like tackle everything at once and then get overwhelmed and give up. So I think it does depend on where they're coming from, but I would say some easy ones, like to whatever degree possible, you can start just adding more vegetables to meals. If you're talking about food, I think that's like the one nutrition thing that we can all agree on. I think like vegans and paleo and keto, like everybody loves green vegetables nutritionally. So if that's the only thing you do, that's awesome. Or if you just start cooking at home a little more versus going out and having family mealtime like that, statistically, it seems like such a simple thing, but just having that time with your family and community is one of the biggest needle movers for health and for your kids and for the future. And that's something we can all do and make time for at least a couple times a week. So that would be my encouragement, even though it's not strictly what you would think of as health advice. I think it's a huge component. And I think we're losing so much of that community aspect in in the modern world because everybody moves away from where they grew up or often do. And we don't have these kind of nuclear communities that people used to grow up with. And I think if we can just make that effort, even though it seems like such a simple thing, it will have a big impact as well. 
One of the things you mentioned that I think is so powerful is that there's so much that comes into cooking at home and the choosing of ingredients, the knowing what's going into your food, the moment like you get a cook with your family. I don't know, Katie, honey, do you cook with your family? I do. There's actually, people can search for this. It's, there's a course online. It's called Kids Cook Real Food. And it's amazing. This lady's a teacher and she teaches kids in every age group how to like get in the kitchen and actually help how to use sharp knives, how to saute things, how to cook an entire meal from scratch. So my older three kids are really adept in the kitchen and they can they can literally cook an entire meal without any help from me at all. And I think that's a huge key because that's a life skill. Like I read an article last week that there is now like remedial school for kids who are graduating high school and don't know how to like cook anything or fold sheets or wash clothes. And definitely like we don't want our kids to be in that boat. So we try to get them involved and let them take responsibility, especially if they want to as young as they're able, just because I think it teaches them incredible independence. And they also have then valuable life skills that they'll be able to use the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Right. They're not just stuck in college, not knowing what to do like a deer in headlights. So many kids, that's the case. The biggest takeaways from this, this particular interview is that communal moment that you guys all gather, no matter what is happening with healthy food and your able to spend time with your family in creating those really uh, powerful relationships. I think, you know, we lost so much of that when we started moving over to fast food, making things so efficient and so easy that people stopped eating together. People stopped cooking together. I love that that's your, one of your big takeaways here is bringing that back. Cause I think there's so much research on the longevity of just bringing that, that habit back into play. Yeah. And I think people don't even realize, like I look back on my own childhood and we were more rushed and we, I was in a lot of activities. And so the times that we got together as a family and like even with extended family, they were such special times, but they also almost all included really junky food because it was birthdays or celebrations. And that became mental connection. And I don't, really think people think about that that much. But when we like get in this fast paced life, the only times that our kids have that like really great connection, they're always associated with the celebration, which is also associated with junk food. And then we get kids growing up and they make that association when they're upset and they want to feel better, they turn to junk food. Whereas our thought is if we can make those associations happen every day, but with just the community or with really healthy food, then hopefully that becomes what's ingrained versus like, oh no, I'm stressed. I want ice cream. Absolutely. You're right. We, we're totally conditioned to think that those family moments, even today, I don't know if you go, you know, you hang out with your family outside of your own home where you're really controlling what goes on. But when like I go to Christmas or Thanksgiving, oh my God, it's just a spatter of, of cookies and just sugar. Let's be honest. It's all sugar. And I, sugar is my sworn enemy. We decided we were enemies a long time ago. It definitely doesn't serve me. And it's so crazy the amount of pressure and so much goes in the conditioning that has happened around these special events since we were kids. And clearly our whole family is involved in it. And everyone's on that train that I call it the sugar train. <laughs> but like it is, it's changing. It's changing those habits. It's changing the conversation for it to look very different. You can still have those intimate relationships and connections without all the crap. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm a hundred percent with you. I've taken a lot of flack for saying like, there's no biological need ever for sugar and you actually can live entirely without it. Even if you have kids, they don't have to eat food, dye and sugar to be normal children. And like, we don't even really do birthday cakes at birthdays because again, we're trying to make the positive associations with the community and the family and the experiences versus like the sugar. And so we have to a tradition of doing like an experience-based gift. So when it's their birthday, they get to pick an activity to do. So we've had kids like pick to swim with dolphins or to go fly kites. Like that was our two-year-old's thing when she turned two, she wanted to go fly kites, things like that. And so we try to build it in that like, 
those are the happy times, like doing things and the being together and hanging out versus just like birthday cake. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you just don't feel good after it. No, you and I are on the exact same page when it comes to sugar. I do not know how we've associated the two. So I really agree. We don't, I always tell people, if you come and stay with us, which we love to have people come over, we love to have people over, but we don't have sugar in our house at all. We have no sugar in the house. So my mom you know, I don't mean to call her out on this on this interview, but my mom never wants to come over to my house because I don't have sugar in my house. She cracks me up and she knows better. Okay. Another question I wanted to ask, I know we're getting closer. What has been your biggest struggle for maintaining your, just the home that you wanted to create for your family and really supporting your kids on this wellness journey? For me, the, the, my nemesis is still the stress and sleep thing because my default is to just like I'm a workaholic by nature and I'm in recovery. I'm getting better, but I would just stay up and work late at night because I love it and I love the community and then not sleep. And I know that my health really suffers when I get that kind of stress. And so that's been the hardest health lesson for me. And it flows over to the kids too because any mom who has missed a ton of sleep with a new baby knows like you're so tired. If you're tired, you're grumpy, you're not your best with your kids. You're more likely to yell or snap at them or just be grouchy. And so for me, I'm still a work in progress, but tackling the sleep and stress component has been the biggest challenge by far. Mm, I imagine. Absolutely. And then my last question for you, probably my favorite question to ask is if you could just pick one healthy habit, daily habit that you do or a natural solution, whatever it is that you're doing that moves the needle for your health every day, what would that thing be? What would be the thing that you could not give up no matter what? Mm, That's a tough one. So I'm going to cheat and Name three, and then I'll f- try to figure out which one's my favorite. I love um, three, but <laughs> please give but, three. <laughs> so I think the first is like the starting the day with a good mindset, which is for us like the gratitude thing, because I think your mindset does make so much of your reality. And I think that's been a huge needle mover for us and in our kids' attitudes as well every day. So that one, I would have a really hard time giving up. Also, the just making sure to get outside every day. I probably one of those that would tend towards the seasonal affective disorder if I didn't do that. Like I have to have daylight, I have to have sunshine. So that's a non-negotiable. But I think probably my favorite, I'm going to default back to the whole like make one meal a day, even if it's not dinner, even if it's breakfast, whatever it is, make one meal a day, a non-negotiable family event and get the kids involved and get the community, like build that community because it's so sappy and, but it's so true. Like they are going to be gone before we know it. And we're going to wish for those moments. So just take the time and savor them now while they're there. And I think that's been the big takeaway here during this interview has really been about how important that is. And in the research that you showed or shared with us about how long that connection really can demonstrate more longevity than giving up sugar or cigarettes or eating a healthy diet, whatever that may be, that our our relationships and our connections are what's going to keep us living longer. So I love that. And I think that that makes so much sense. Well, my dear, I just have so many more questions, but I know, I know we both got to get going. What I wanted to do is I wanted to let everyone, if they didn't know where your website was, is to go to the wellnessmama.com to check her out. And I love that you gave us some cheat sheets on where to get started because you're right. Your website is incredible. And I have gotten lost in your website before where I'm just like going blog to blog. I just click more things as I go. And then like an hour goes by and I fell into the vortex. So (laughs) I love that you gave us some cheat sheet options, but then you have a podcast too, the Healthy Moms Podcast, which is incredible. So if you guys are looking for more of Katie's incredible wisdom and just how she dives in with other experts, this is going to be the place that you really go and check her out. And if you do love Insta, 
find her on Insta as well because her pictures and her quotes are so hilarious. I just, I crack up sometimes when I read some of your quotes, girl, because they are real. That's real talk that you're, you're posting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. And I would love to say hi. If you guys find me on Instagram, come say hi and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Any last thing that you would like to share before we go? And if you don't have one, no worries. Just encouragement to any other women listening, because we're, we tend to be very hard on ourselves, which is also not great for our health. So just the encouragement that, especially if you're listening to stuff like this and you're working on self-improvement, you're doing an amazing job and your baby steps are actually huge leaps and bounds. And together we're making huge strides in the world. And I'm just so appreciative for everybody who is on that path with us. Awesome. I love it. I love that encouragement. Well, thank you so much, my dear. I know you're heading off to dinner. Just wanted to say thank you again for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's been such fun. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I took so much away from our conversation that I can't wait to share with my fellow mamas out there. Katie is living what she preaches every single day with her family, and she has Instagram pictures to prove it. You're definitely going to want to check her out on Instagram. I will be linking to that in the show notes. You can also find Katie, as I mentioned before, at wellnessmama.com and on her podcast, Healthy Moms Podcast. You can find the links to everything inside of the show notes. Again, it is episode 24. And I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. I am going solo for the next episode and I'm tackling a pretty controversial topic, which is, is coffee bad for your adrenal health? The short answer, well, let's just say that I'm not taking your coveted coffee away just yet. So I can't wait for you to tune into the next episode where I dive deep into this topic. I think you're going to find it really interesting. Also, last but not least, I would love to hear from you and what you want more of in this podcast. Take a moment to rate and review the Essentially You podcast on iTunes. That way I can continue to serve you and all of the other amazing women in your life who are ready to become healers in their own home. Until then, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Talk soon.